welcome back to another great episode of comedians in bed and as always i have another good guest with us today and you know i always like to give a nice introduction this guy is from the mean streets of new york city he's doing his thing out there he's making waves he has one of the best comedy albums out right now uh i'm high i forgot to take that banner off but it's all right but as you <laughs> see at the bottom he got one of the best comedy albums out right now. So I had to bring him on the podcast, man. He's very funny. He's very talented. This guy is the truth, the myth, the legend, the joke master himself. Please, everybody, give it up for Gordon Baker Bone. Hey, hey, hey. What up? What up? What up? What up? What up? Gordon, man, what's going on? How you doing today? Not much, man. Yeah, sorry for being late. Uh, <laughs> I like how you said I'm from the main streets, and I'm just clearly showing my Christmas tree right now. <laughs> hey, Thug's got Christmas trees, too. Thug's got Christmas trees, too. Hey, man, I'm just happy to be decorating and shit. So, no, nobody was going to know you were late. Like, we yeah. Just, <laughs> we just oh, bro. <laughs> like to be honest <laughs> gordon man how many years have you um been doing comedy uh, about i want to say about 14 years now 14 years going strong with uh doing stand up uh got my album finally out there working on my second one uh i've been overseas a couple times i've been out of country so it's just really lucky and blessed to be doing this what was like that first time of doing comedy was like was it like a dare did you just thought you were funny went to open mic what was, what was oh first shit. um i was in college i was doing uh public speaking because that was like one of the requirements and whatnot so you had to do public speaking i went and did it and the professor saw that like he said i was funny and then on top of it, he was like yo if you don't want to come back this early ever again uh, all you got to do is go do a comedy open mic and I'll give you an A and you don't got to come back to class. So I went and did it. That shit was a lot of fun. It was live. So, well, it was fun for me. And then like people told me I was funny. But like if I look back at it, I probably sucked. And then after that, I just kept going like every like every week just to go do stand up. And just yeah. it just stuck. 14 years in, man, what did your family, like, think when you told them that you wanted to do comedy? Oh, they thought I lost my fucking mind. Real talk. They, uh, <laughs> they just thought it was going to be, like, something that was a phase and, like, I'll grow out of it. And then, like, when they realized, like, oh, oh, he's serious. And, like, I, I, when I kept, kept going and everybody was like, all right, yeah, all right, then that's who he is. It wasn't yeah. until I got my first check. When I got my first check, that's when they really... It really like was like oh okay yeah he a comic but yeah. till then it was just a lot of solo shit <laughs> having to prove it on my own yeah yeah no I definitely understand I've got family members coming out now they they finally believe <laughs> hey yo that, that's the crazy part when they like when your family finally come around is such a pivotal moment because you're like what did I do to make you guys finally be like all right you're actually doing it. Hey, yo, my mom, when I first told her that I was doing comedy, we were yeah. going to uh, see Ricky Smiley at the Funny Bone here. Okay. And I was like, I was like, this this sounds like a good time to tell her. And <laughs> <laughs> so I just like hesitantly told her. I kind of like looked out the side of my eye. I was like, yeah. so uh, I'm doing comedy. I'm, I was like, no, nah. so I, I was like, so I'm doing stand up now. She was like, stand up where? <laughs> Like stand up comedy, mom. Like tell jokes. She was like, 
Oh, that's nice. You know. <laughs> well, when you get hit with that, you get hit with that, oh, that's nice. That's, that's a silent yeah. killer right there. Oh, that, you know, that that hurts the most because you're like, what? Did I, wait, wait a minute. What do you mean that's nice? <laughs> Have some type of emotion, lady. <laughs> so, are we? Uh, is this your bachelor pad here? Yep. What yep. you you're the only one in there. What made you get a Christmas tree? Because I ain't got no Christmas tree up. Uh like my goal was to have like something for like my nieces and nephews when they come over finally. So like when they come over, I like having a Christmas tree. Like I bought one when I when I had roommates, and it's just ridiculous just to have something and not put it up. And plus, like it cuts on the energy bill because like at night I ain't gotta turn on all the lights and whatnot. So I just turned the the tray on and it 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 glows all over the apartment. So I was just like, all right, cool. That's ghetto, ghetto. <laughs> I was trying to find a way to say ghetto. Like, that was ghetto. I'm always trying to figure out ways to cut corners. I'm like, all right, turn the Christmas tree on. I ain't got to turn on another lights. It's yeah. pretty dope. Yeah, no, nah, I, I definitely, I definitely understand. I used to, I used to, <laughs> I used to, when I was in college, I used to sit down to pee so I wouldn't piss on the seat so much. So I wanted to keep getting told. To <laughs> Yo, them hood, them hood uh, tricks that you got to do. Oh, they man. Were, they were, what's your, what's your most like hood thing that you do to like save money? Hood thing to save money. Um, damn, so many. I can't even think of one right now. Uh, only the biggest way I save money is Costco. Like I, I think every single person needs to go to Costco because it's it's literally you buy like you buy toilet paper like one time and that might last you six months, bro. Like instead of just blowing through it, like. That that's my only like big tip because people be like, yeah, why you got a Costco card? You you ain't got no kids and you ain't got a family, dude. I buy it once and I ain't got to think about it. So, are you carrying this big old thing of tissue like on the side? Yep. Like, <laughs> yep, yep. I don't care who look at me. Like people bring Christmas trees on the subway. So what? I got toilet paper. What? All right. <laughs> I seen a TikTok where somebody was catering food on a subway. Like, yeah, where, what, what, what is this? Because I'm in Columbus, we don't have subways. I've only been in a subway one time. That was when I was in Philly. Like, what are these subways like? Like, are they really what they look like on TV? Um, it doesn't do it justice. Like, there, one of my favorite stops is uh, 14th Street. Um, when I catch the L train, uh, you ain't gonna believe. Like, you go downstairs and there's. Swear to God, there's a DJ downstairs. A dude DJ in turntables, sound system. It looked like a like a goddamn club as you wait for the train. And he's literally he's spinning, he's mixing, and he's got he's doing it from a phone. And he like, all right, okay. Like, like somebody saw uh somebody had Thanksgiving dinner on a train. I'm like, yeah, people do that. <laughs> are you a uh are you a tipper when like you see people like are singing or stuff? Do you give my yeah, I actually Yo, you got to be really talented to get a dollar out of me, though. Like, I will. <laughs> it's so it's so crazy because, like, you actually see extremely talented people, like, playing for free on the subway. And you just, like, I've, I've passed people that are, like, 
they're good, but they're not great. And I wait to see somebody who's great on the subway playing something. So, like, I do tip them. And I do feel kind of fucked up. Uh, if I see you with a kid, I will tip you. Because, uh, <laughs> like, there's a there's a churro lady, like, on every subway car now. So, it's just, like, if she got her kid working with her, I'm like, all right, I got you, dog. And it, it's become, like, a competition. That's, <laughs> like, whoever is most talented and got got the saddest look, like, ah, I can't take it. Like, some dudes be be down there with their pit bull begging for money. I'm like, yo, the dog don't deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, like, what gives, like, homeless people the courage to raise a dog? Like, I couldn't do it. That's a lot of responsibility. Oh, that dog, that dog has a lot of responsibility, too. I, I think that dog is mostly protection. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's an outdoor alarm system. <laughs> 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 are they are these homeless people are they giving cash apps because up here in columbus they'll, they'll oh like, bro I yeah like i got cash app oh yeah yeah i had to learn the hard way like like there was one time i was like i got a dollar he's like i got i got cash app i was like you know what fine whatever <laughs> so <laughs> so like i scammed and like i sent him two dollars and then like i thought that was it and then like an hour later he sent a request like, hey, can I get another five? I'm like, no, bro. <laughs> I had to block him. I felt bad. I was like, oh, man. Damn. He asked you again? That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, was, yeah. He definitely was requesting. So I was like, I, I got to stop. I can't can be. I, can I get another five? Like, <laughs> he put it in the note. That's what killed me, yo. He put it in the note. Can I get another five? I'm like, damn. All right. No. I would have I been like, for why? Like, what, what <laughs> What do we need this for? Like, if the reason was good enough, I would have gave him another five. Like, you would have had an open dialogue with this dude on Cash App. <laughs> yes, I would, man. These niggas lie all the time. But if you gonna lie, I want to see how good your lie gonna be. And if your lie is good enough, I'll give you. I'll give you some money. Yeah, I give you some money. What I started doing now is um, when the homeless ask for money. I'm yeah, like, dang, bro, I was about to ask you the same thing, bro. <laughs> oh, you told me no, no, no. We in the same boat, brother. This is just a look. <laughs> oh man, fourteen years in the game, man. What made you say it was time to record? Nobody, just me. Uh, the messed up thing about it was like I I got to a point where I was just like I need to do it because like I used to be this. I used to be the comic that used to always think like, oh, somebody going to come see me. Somebody going to come manage me. Somebody going like offer me this. And then it's just like, like just one day I was just like, eh, why am I waiting for someone to do it for me? You know what I mean? Uh, it, it was like, yo, you got to do stuff on your own. And it, that that year I just came back from doing a tour with uh, my homies, the Deceptive Comics, Jerome Russell, Mike Brown, Dylan Stevenson, John Minus. And we just, we did a whole month on the road and like we booked ourselves for it and it went really well. And then like I was home, I was just like, why, why am I waiting? I might as well just do it. So I just, I, I went out, decided to do it. I uh, hit up my references that I knew. Like, that's the thing that it taught me also. I knew everybody uh, that I needed to make an album. Like I was waiting for people to come offer me an album or say they wanted to work with me. And like literally everybody, in my circle 
are were professionals in their field that did audio camera work uh lawyers and things like that and all i had to do was just say i'm doing this tell me what to do yeah yeah so yeah. what was like that that step-by-step process like how did you come up with the name how'd you come up with the location to shoot it like how did you come up with these things uh i was already doing a show running the show at 10th street live uh comedy bar no 10th street live bar uh it's not a comedy bar but they do comedy shows uh so i just said yo one night i'm gonna record an album and they were look they jumped at the idea and they were like all right cool just let us know what you need i was like oh i need a sound guy and they was like well you know we have professional sound booth like i they hooked me up with uh my audio engineers and things like that we mic'd up the room like i knew that from doing uh like from filming and being a director in college so i already had that knowledge myself so i knew how i wanted to mic up the room i knew i want the sound i wanted uh i had the camera guy that i was supposed to be there but luckily we didn't record that night uh i went through a whole uh like planning for that that took a week but like he got sick the week of so i couldn't go through with it which turned out to be a blessing and uh i knew other comics that already had albums through like comedy dynamic or 800 pound gorilla and they told me what they went through so i was able to pick and choose what and how i wanted to do it to make sure my album was ready for it um it was kind of nerve-wracking like it's not easy just because you got all these references don't mean it's going to be easy so once i got through all that i was just able to record had a good time and was able to ship it out and sell it to to uh comedy dynamic so when you say you mic'd up the room because i've never heard this reference before um why is it important to mic up the room and like how did you go about figuring how to mic up the room all right, so uh, making up the room for those that don't know, like when you do a comedy album, the most important part is make sure that you are heard and also the crowd is heard also. So I made sure my mic was straight and I made sure that there were microphones either hanging above or like kind of close to the tables so you can hear people laughing like you could actually hear people having conversation you could hear the bartender like making drinks in it that's the one thing i do love about uh my album like when you put on the headphones uh you hear everything mm-hmm. like if you played in your car extremely loud you you'll hear people making drinks you'll you'll hear people like probably going through their bag it gives you a feel of being in a comedy club which i i loved so micing up a room means you capture every sound of the room hmm. okay okay yeah now comedy dynamics how what what is this is my first time hearing it what is that and what how do they provide you service uh comedy dynamics is a comedy recording company they also they produce a ton of comedian specials a ton of uh people's albums uh i think they're based out of la um you probably seen their logo on a lot of uh, uh comedians material and don't even realize like they're part of it, but they're a great company. Really uh, worked worked with me and kind of gave me the knowledge that I need to know for like my next album. So, yeah, they're uh, yes, Comedy Dynamic. I think they produced uh, whose other album? I can't even remember right now. They have such a large roster. Um, I th- what's the name? Uh, from from out in L.A. 
Tone, uh, he does the cram videos. Tone, Tony Baker. Yeah, Tony Baker. There uh-huh. you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. They got a large roster. So, so is it, are you like signing a contract with them or are you just sign up? Yeah. Them? Uh, I signed, a, I signed a contract with them to, to do one album. Uh, it was good time. And then now, like now that I know how to distribute on my own and know how to more of the ropes, I plan on doing it totally differently now. So I plan on distributing myself. I plan on owning a good portion or owning all of uh, my material now, next time I go out. But that's the thing that like I, I had to learn the the hard way. It was just like it wasn't a bad deal, but it wasn't the the best deal that I I think I could have made for myself. So why is it important to own your uh own material? Uh important to own your material, uh, because you never know when you're going like one of your jokes get real big and then like one day you look up and you, you got like a, a million plays on YouTube and you're now you're sharing. Uh, a portion of the art that you created. You know what I mean? You're not collecting all the profit off of something that you created. So it's important to, in in my opinion, to own all your material, all your royalties. So it's something that you can keep forever. So me and you both know that it's important to own, but... How do you go about that conversation? Is it already written in the in the contract? Do you renegotiate that? How do you do that? You could renegotiate. You could. I highly recommend people. Uh, I don't care who you are, what you do. And I know it's something that like people later in life go. All right. Now I got a lawyer. But you should get a lawyer as soon as possible. Like no matter where. Anytime you got to even if you got a cell phone contract, like you might as well grab a lawyer. Like because honestly, it'll benefit you. They'll read through all the monotonous bullshit that's out there and let you know what you need to know and where you're getting kind of screwed over. So always have a lawyer on deck. That's that's the first and foremost positive thing. And uh, (laughs) I didn't read my contract all the way through and I wanted to make sure this time around I did it. So I got a brand new lawyer, which happens to be uh, my sister. And uh, she passed the bar. She helped me understand my distribution. She helped me understand uh, my ownership and what businesses to put it under. And yeah, it's a long, long thing. We really need more TED talks about that. <laughs> <laughs> See, you got the plug because I was going to ask, like, how much is the retainer? Because I, I, I can only afford legal zone. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Sometimes you when you hear lawyer, you think like big money, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of lawyers out there that probably won't even charge you that much, especially if it's like for a contract or something like that. They might charge you probably like a hundred bucks, maybe even dinner, or just like make sure they, they get work down the road or a reference. Yeah. But you just gotta like my cousin just asked me that. It was like, yo, how do you know so many lawyers? Because like outside of my sister, I do know like I have friends that studied law. And have given me this speech and have told me how to go about things in the courtroom and things like that. So try to broaden your circle. Find somebody that like study law. Don't that don't mean just hang out in the courthouse, but <laughs> <laughs> try to find somebody that'll help you uh go over your contracts and know how like the right ways to open the LLC. Cause that's another thing too. A lot of people open LLCs and 
and do all this stuff and think they got everything right, but the the paperwork ain't right. So you need somebody on your side. Yeah. Highly important. Yeah. How did you come about uh knowing what material to put on this, this comedy this comedy album? Oh, uh or just in general, like how you come up with like that set list for something that you're gonna put out to the world? That was that was something that I worked on for about two years. That set that's all in there and that like I was I was kind of done with that. You know what I mean? Like you get to a point uh as a comedian or as a, just an artist where you just you grow tired uh of your own art. Like you've tweaked it, you touched it up. Sometimes you sometimes you might add a little bit more here and there to it to make it kind of pop, but after a while you're just like, mm, there's no there's nothing left. And so when I get started this album process, I I already had the I'm gonna say 40 minutes all worked out and I knew how I wanted to end it with that uh Kanye West flag joke. So it it took two years of just prep, uh of just doing like open mics, doing shows, doing road work. And just finally feeling confident that there's no more I could do with this material. Um, as far as the set list, I don't know. Like, I just, I like my sets to sound like a conversation. You know what I mean? A continuous flow of thought. I don't like to just go, all right, let me just jump to this. Or let me jump out of this and just talk about relationships. It, I feel like once everything kind of has like a segue to it or leads into each other, like a continuous thought. I'm like, all right, it's ready now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In New York, man, you guys, I don't know if it's probably just doing COVID, but like comedy, people are doing comedy in like some of the weirdest spots. Like what's one of the weirdest places you ever did, did comedy? I seen you did it at a barbershop one time. Yeah, I did a barbershop. I just did it. Well, I, actually, last night I did a tattoo parlor. Um, Damn. Uh, uh, pizzerias. Eh, shout out to Two Boots. They were cool. Um, <laughs> wh- where else? Middle of the park. Oh yeah. Uh, during lockdown, we were just doing comedy like dead ass in the park, like straight up. And it's amazing how many people showed up for it. Like hundreds of people will come sit outside. And I know it's because of COVID and whatnot, but like people would just come and sit out. And just enjoy a show. And some people still do it, do outdoor shows. Um, I can tell you the weirdest places that I opted not to. Like, I hate doing ambush comedy. Like, I hate when they don't tell the patrons that <laughs> there's going to be a comedy show. There's nothing worse than, like, a couple trying to figure out their relationship. And then the comedian goes, <laughs> hey, y'all, we got some jokes over here. Like, no, that's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> they did not come here for this. Um, it's um, surprisingly not like a lot of comics still do uh subway car shows like they they ambush subway cars and start telling jokes mm. which can be kind of fun and also can be like real fucked up because literally people are just trying to get home from work and here you go i know you're trying to brighten a day but you ain't hitting it right now bro <laughs> You got that big breasted woman sitting there talking about uh-uh, don't start with me today. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got no time for this right oh, now. Man. I've never been to New York, man. That just it seems like an adventure. That's what no, it really is. Like people really don't understand. Like 
everything like I love the fact that Twitter and Instagram and social media in general is showing you guys what New York is because everyone has that Jennifer Lopez uh image <laughs> of what New York is and it's like nah I get it's so much different than what y'all think it is. I love J Lo, but I knew she wasn't real when she didn't go back with Diddy. I was like, yeah, she ain't about that life. <laughs> oh man, yo, I knew she was gonna break up with A Rod. I called her break up with A Rod during the lockdown because, like, when she called Diddy during lockdown, they started dancing over Zoom together. I was like, yeah, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> now she's back with that pink meat. Yes, yeah, she like pink. She like pink ping. She like Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get down with that, man. Oh, all right. So uh with the comedy album. Um now like what's what's next? Like, okay, we shoot an, another comedy album. When do you say, okay, now it's time to upgrade to a special or you know uh, this is this is actually what i'm working on right now uh i decided the to do a special this time around where i am shooting uh well i found a director that i can trust that's a big thing like for me because like i work behind the camera uh i did pa production uh i mean pa work on like films and things like that so i like being behind the camera i like creating uh, so the rough part about making a special for me was finding a a visual director that can get the image that I want. And that's the hardest, hardest thing because you can't be two places at once. Right. Be up on stage creating. So uh, I finally found somebody. We talked. We uh working out the contract right now. Um, I'm working on the dates and where I'm going to perform it. Um, uh, I just, for this special, it's more important to give it the look that I want. I really want, uh, a certain image to, to come across. Like, cause I already know my voice off, off the first album. This time I want them to actually see and hear the show that I type put on. So if any comics out there, please, please, please just don't overlook who is going to direct you're special. Even if you're doing it yourself, make sure you you know somebody and they know the image that you want and what you want to give off. Because there's so many times people just hire somebody and they have to settle for what it looks like. And it's, it ends up being just a one camera shoot with the occasional one uh, second camera getting a shot of the crowd. And yeah, they're not happy with it. I've seen it happen. So talk to somebody, have an idea, have a reference point. Look at other people's specials and and figure it out and sometimes honestly it helps working with another comedian yeah like a lot of people uh don't know bo burnham and gerard carmichael they direct and help each other out with their specials all the time and because they have that relationship they are able to give off the image that they want yeah which is an excellent thing well, I do a little cinematography, so I'm not going to offer my services for that. But I will. <laughs> I don't mind. Oh, being, I don't mind being your PA if you don't. Hey, if you hell yeah! Just let me know. Hell yeah! But my next question would be: Would you ever consider directing somebody else's special? Hey, yeah, I already told my friends 
if they ever need someone to direct, please consider me first. And like some of them are taking me up on it. They were excited about it. And like, I need to extend that offer to other people because like, it's something that I'm really passionate about. Like, especially with stand up, mm-hmm. I know, uh, and I know how to help in that field. So I would love to help anybody or even if I could just be a reference point or if you want to just bounce ideas off of me, I even got to direct just like have me. De- I'll be a PA also, bro. Like just hit me up. I, I I enjoy being behind the camera. I enjoy stand-up comedy. So it's only natural that I I extend my services any way I can. Um what was the next question? I'm fried. Um, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm trying to be like you. This happens, this happens every episode. Every episode is a moment where I forget what I'm about to say and I'll be like, yep, I'm fried. Um, oh, uh-uh. <laughs> okay, but no, um, all right, so directing. So when uh oh okay, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say a joke. I forgot. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> I direct too, but don't judge yeah. my first direct di- directorial debut on my YouTube channel Pride. It's a crappy movie. Don't judge it. We oh, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> Yo, that's the that's the great thing, and that's how I could tell like you you're good at your craft. Like and I know it's gonna sound fucked up. People that's excited about their old stuff. Like it, it worries me. Like when they got one thing out there, like all right, my first thing hey, is it's the best thing I done. I'm like, you ain't do nothing else after that. Like, uh, <laughs> anybody I'm like, yo, like anyone that says exactly what you say, I'm like, all right, this is a true artist right here. This is somebody that is dedicated to their work. <laughs> <laughs> well, my question was gonna be, uh, what's the difference? Because when people hear directing, they think movie directing. But how? I always wonder, like how do you direct like a comedy special? Like what do you exactly do? Um, so I have experience being on film sets. I have experience being in studio, uh, like news editorial, uh, sets also. So when you direct feel like being in a studio and you're directing, and this is how I do when uh, I do multi-camera shoots with, uh, like something like stand up or something like a special that I've seen. Like you got to know when to take camera one, when to take camera two, how to tell your uh, cameramen if they're not good at it to get you the shots that, that you want and that you need during the production. Like if you have a three camera shoot, for example, you're going to want your main shot. You're going to want a wide shot and you want to, in my opinion, get a reaction shot of the crowd. So, and you got to be able to tell those two cameras how to intertwine with each other like if one's going if you you, if you have one going to get like an over the shoulder shot of uh your subject that's on stage or a different perspective from your main shot you gotta tell the third camera all right make sure you get some reaction shots at the same time and be able to switch and intertwine and know how to do that that is like in my opinion what makes a good director and be able to keep an eye out for all those things while shooting. Yeah, because I actually, um, the closest I've heard to that was like when, I, probably like when I was first in college, I would, um, I did like uh, football games and stuff. Okay. And being the, uh, being the, the, uh, the van with the director and stuff like that. But ever since then, I haven't like heard about it, but I was just wondering like how different it would be uh, with comedy shows. I was actually at a, um, 
the Palace Theaters, the Palace Theater here, not too long ago for like a little musical or something like that. And I was looking okay. for like the little booth to see like where it's at and like how they do everything. And I was listening to Ida Rodriguez. She said that uh, it's very important for Black people to make sure that our lighting is important. Oh, so amen. Why, why is that when it comes to like shooting a special? Um. All right. Uh, you. You ever do a comedy show and after the show, like somebody white go wants to they say, Yo, can I get a picture of you? Mm-hmm. And then they go, All right, and they you step in front of the camera and they they take a picture. It's nighttime and they don't turn on the flash. Mm-hmm. I hate when they do that because I know that you take a picture of me on an iPhone in this dark ass room, I'm gonna look like hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like black people know our skin and our lighting it is so crucial some of my favorite photographers are photographers of color um or like photographers that understand that not everybody got the same skin tone like in a dark room yeah you could might be able to take take a picture of some pale skin and be able to make it pop and look good but that ain't going to work for everybody you got to know how to work that iso you got to know how to work the contrast because my skin is totally different, and if you don't light me the right way, you're, you're going to have me out here looking bad. So it's super important just to understand the differences uh, of not only uh, skin tone, uh, lighting, and and just like I think it's a cultural thing, honestly, when it comes down to photography. And I think everyone just thinks you just get behind a camera and just snap away. You can, but it's not always going to look great. Right, right, right. Y'all, man, yeah, I could give this. I give so many, uh, like, photographers of color that's around uh, New York and New Jersey so much credit because you could really tell who's who's been around and understand uh, the <laughs> the culture when it comes down to, to photography. Like, Gordon Parks is one of my favorite... Um, photographers film directors he directed shaft he also has some of the best black photography uh in american history that showed jim crow south and just so black america and just monumental he understood lighting Mm -hmm. and he understood how to show the proper subject matter and yeah oh man Got me thinking about all my favorite inspirations now. <laughs> oh no, you're fine, man. I I love photography too. I do photography, man. I do I do photography too. Like, yeah. Wh- why you were talking though? I know you got a black angel on the top of that thing. Hell yeah, I got a black. Yeah. Angel. What you think? I'm have a white angel at the top of my tree. <laughs> I can't go to sleep thinking a white angel is gonna bring me uh, gifts. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> White angel on top of my tree might call, see me come out and call the cops. Oh. I like that you got it, but I'm just like, I'm like, he actually found one. That's the yeah. thing you gotta find. Oh, it's so hard to find a black angel, bro. It is yeah. so hard. Like it's it's hard to find. <laughs> it's hard to find black uh, Christmas ornaments. Like I got in trouble at my mom's place like years ago because yeah. I got tired of this uh, interracial couple's uh, black Santa Claus. Because they, um, it you it, you know how to like they have those Santa Claus that be out in the front lawn they light up, yeah. So they just basically took a white one and just painted it brown. So it's just like it looked like a 
a white Santa Claus doing blackface. And I was like, yo, you got to get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> Where did they live at that they got a front lawn? Like, Oh, they, my parents live over in uh, Maplewood. So oh, Maplewood, okay. New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, like... Scissor, like if you know Scissor, that's the town she from. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody got lawns and whatnot over there. Okay. <laughs> you gotta try Hobby Lobby, man. Hobby Lobby has some good ornaments. Yo, everybody be telling me about Hobby Lobby. Maybe I'm gonna go check that place out. Yeah, Hobby. My mom is my mom is a frequent shopper at Hobby Lobby. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think she only go because it's Christian based. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make sure that money goes to the right folks. I got you. So what is like doing comedy in New York, man? Everybody know that's the mecca of doing comedy. Uh, like, how do you work your way up from being an open micer to a paid regular? Show up every day. Uh, be around. Hit the mics. Don't even, the one dope thing about New York, and I know a lot of people say probably say this to you all the time, you could do multiple sets in one night. And that is the blessing that 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 I'm so used to now. Like you can start off your you can start the day off at six or five o'clock doing like uh, two minute and three minute mics. And you can do about like three of those. And then like by eight o'clock roll around, you can find like a show to probably hop on or hang out at and do a spot there. Then 10 o'clock, find somewhere to be and just like multiple sets. It's just there's a crowd everywhere. And that's the dope thing about New York. Uh, the process that goes from growing is just being out and about when people see you out working they're they're going to want to work with you and they want to know why other people are working with you. So you'll get bookings th- through that way. Uh, don't be afraid to, to open your mouth and let people know that you want to get on the show too. That is the big thing. A lot of people wait around and expect like, bookers and showrunners and show producers to just know that you want to do their show now let it be known talk to them yeah yeah find out the process um but yeah in new york there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get up at least five times or every single day of the week yeah you're making me hate living here man you can only get up one time (laughs) you can only get up one time man one time i hate it i'm like i got so many jokes but you get it Can't you get, get a chunk out. though. When you get up though, you get a chunk of time, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, eh, you get you get you get five, and then there's about maybe one that gives you that gives you. Uh, well, that one's not even operating anymore. <laughs> oh damn, yeah. <laughs> the one on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, depending if the if the if the list is short, they'll give you like eight to ten. That's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it forced me to like, cause I'm a, I'm naturally I'm a storyteller, so it forced me to like work on shorter jokes, which I felt like was one of the weakest part of my games, um, and I took advantage of like using that time to do crowd work too. So yeah, yeah, you just gotta like adjust to like whatever atmosphere you're in is what I'm noticing. Heck yeah, and that's the like that's another thing too. Like people discredit three minute mics and two minute mics. It helps you work out a bit. Like if you could do multiple jokes in two minutes, that means that that joke is strong and you could grow it from there. And when you could take that one part or 30 seconds of that joke and turn that same joke into like a one minute joke in a two minute mic, that's that's excellent. So my, my question is like one of the things I struggle with is like 
since I am naturally a storyteller, I usually want to like stretch out, say too, say too much, yeah, say too much or whatever, stretch it out. So I'm trying to figure out now, like when I'm working on these shorter jokes. Okay, like this is where it stops. Like I'm not saying like stop writing the joke, making it better, punch it up, but I'm just saying like when do you know like with the shorter jokes? Okay, this is it for this. Um, that's that's such. Again, I only could go with my um, experience. Uh, I know that if I take an idea to like a two minute mic and like I get I get a one or two laughs off the idea, I'm like, all right, cool. And then from there, I just have a tag for it. And I just say it like as like a one liner or just like a thought. And then I try to have a second thought to it or add on to it and grow it from there and there. And like, it's so hard to try to explain my process because like, I don't, I don't write like everybody else. Like mm-hmm. you ever see like most comics notebooks, they have everything written out. Yeah, I just have I bullet points. I, I, I just have like one line where I just go, all right, talk about Kanye flag. And then I, from talking about Kanye flag, I, I look at it again for like a third time and I try to examine it again and try to find more and more and more to break down and, yeah. From there, so yeah. I for me it just starts just with a small idea, and I just let it naturally grow into a bigger and bigger and bigger. But for storytelling, I just always tell a story. Like if you tell me I got like ten minutes to tell one story, I'm gonna tell the whole story in detail in that ten minutes, and I'm gonna keep doing that until it actually grows into a proper uh, story. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes you gotta cut some stuff out of there too. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. what well usually what I do is I'll take uh you know, I have the premise and then uh have a couple tags or whatever and then um after that like I'll keep it like keep it short. Like I usually just get like about three or five tags and I'm I feel like I'm done. And then uh I'll like stop telling the joke for like a couple months and then I'll think of something else and I'll be like or I might think of something totally different. Yeah. From the joke, and I'll be like, "Oh, this actually goes with this," and so I'll just add it. That's usually like what I do. All right, yeah, that's yeah. a good way of doing it too. Like a lot of people should like take a break and let like let jokes breathe for a little bit because when you return to it, you'll be able to grow it even more. Also, yeah, 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 give it a different different look. Yeah, coming uh, back at it with a different view. Yeah, and then plus here too, like it's only like. I want everybody to know what comedy show it is. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> if you know, went to last week's comedy show, like you've heard this joke already. So, yeah. Like, right, God, let me let me wait. <laughs> All, right. All right. At least that's how I feel. I don't want to like keep, I don't mind people keep hearing the same joke, but like if I, I do keep a track of like who they came to what show, I'll be like, All right, they didn't heard this joke before. Let me try and give them something new. They keep them wanting to come back, I guess. Yep. I used to do the same thing at my uh, comedy open mic. I used to tell, and encourage comics, yo, try at least one new joke. If you're going to do a set here, like the same set you did last week, just try one new joke. Whether at the end or in the beginning or in the middle, just just don't do the same thing verbatim that you did last week. Because we like my, my comedy open mic had a crowd every single Monday. And we would get like at least, and Jersey, by Jersey standards, this is big. We get like 50 people to show up. To a comedy open mic. It was just like it was free. We just wanted people to buy drinks. So mm-hmm. we just wanted all the comics that are coming in and benefiting from this crowd and growing <laughs> from this crowd 
Just like, just tell one something new. Keep it spicy for these motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you are, you know, you got a, a following and everything like that. How do you, you know, as a comic, how do you brand yourself to make sure that, you know, when you do do shows, people are coming up when you do these comic special comic albums, like people are coming up and supporting? I, I try to limit um, how I promote my big shows. Like, um, well, how about, I'm going to change that. I don't always promote every single show that I'm on because I know that'll like dry out when I want to do like a big or major event. Cause like, if you came out last week just to come see me, like just doing my everyday Brooklyn show, you ain't going to want to come out the next week to see that all over again. So like when I, when I tell people that follow me, yo, this is big for me. I make sure I, I let it be known. This is a big deal. So support this. If you haven't seen me in a while, this is the show that you definitely should, you should come out for. But like that's that's the best way to brand it. Like be super honest with your crowd. Um, have daily shit on like your Instagram. Whether whether it's just bullshit or not, like it could just be anything. Just put something up there to let them know that you're still out here working. Stay fresh in their minds. That's why I do the Instagram thing. That's why I do Twitter um facebook i i just dick around on uh so i could just so people know all right if i'm looking for something funny i can go to gordon page yeah. he always got like a funny tiktok up there he just just stay fresh in their mind and that's the best way of branding um outside of that uh get emails get emails start an email list so people know that you're serious about it start a website that anybody that comes to the website, they can sign up for the email list and get an email blast because everybody get emails and they sometimes they don't want to hear from their work. They want to hear from you. So figure out a way to get to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when being in being in New York, what other ways are you exercising like your comedic gift besides just doing stand up? Uh, podcasting has been uh, another way I've been expressing like my artistic side. Uh, I do two podcasts. I do, well, actually three. I do uh, that other thing uh, on Patreon with my homie Mel. Uh, we talk about mental health and ways of relaxing and proper ways of being an adult. A lot of people don't know how to be an adult anymore. They just, they, they've got this third grade mentality. So we we sit around and we we drink and we we give sound advice. And we, we talk about going to therapy, both of us, and just like in our own individual experiences, relationship advice, just healthy adulting advice. And then uh, we have the Bad Advice Show, and that's me, Sarone Russell, uh, and Melanie also. Like we, we do a weekly podcast where we just give out ridiculous advice and just tell jokes and just keep people up to date when current event news. And last but not least is my Period Peace podcast where uh, I talk with my friends about their periods and funny stories from their periods and stuff like that. Like blood periods? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, menstruation. <laughs> that, is the, that is the reaction that I get from everybody. If anybody wants to listen to it, it's called uh, Period Peace, hosted by Gordon Baker Bone. It's on all platforms. I did my first season of it. And it's like, yeah, I just talk with my friends about their periods and like they got funny ass stories about it. Like it's 
it's so wild that most men will never know the stories because like they simply just won't ask. <laughs> How did you come up with this idea? <laughs> um I was dating um I was dating uh my ex and like I don't know we just had this we just had this very open discussion about her menstruation. Like that's anybody that like I date also like I like I always feel like I need to know about it because like if we miss one fuck we pregnant. So <laughs> What? <laughs> You always asking me to keep track of your keys. Fuck, let's let's keep track of that too. So, hey, did you ever get like? Did they did they ever like? Did you ever have like one girl like or like whatever like girl in high school like hit you up with like I'm two days late? Like, yeah, <laughs> bro, I had that happen to me. I had, I had a girl go, oh, I'm two months late. What the fuck you mean? Wait, what happened to the first month? <laughs> I ain't never got. I ain't never got to months, man. I ain't never got to months. I just got to days. Like I'm three days late. I'm like, well, what you telling me for? Like, obviously, <laughs> go take the test, and we can figure out if you are or not. First of all, it's only a couple of days. Like, yeah, you can relax. Like, yeah. If somebody told me they was two days late, I'm like, wait, you stressing? You lost some weight? That's exactly. I'm just like. <laughs> I'll be like, listen, baby, you're not. You ain't pregnant. You just stress. Just relax. You'll be all right. It'll come in like three days. You'll be all right. Then the next day, yeah. I'm I got my period. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, you're good. Like, I like I know it all now. I'm like, oh, you hanging out with somebody new? Y'all probably synced up. Check on her. See if you got her. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I, it was just something that uh, I just had conversations about uh, with my ex, and then from there, like she always had like funny stories about her period, and just like. She was like, I'd never like shared stuff like this before with anybody. And I'm just like, all right, well, so I just started asking my friends about it. And then like they started telling me stories and they were like funny ass stories. It just wasn't like stories that most people won't want to hear. It's like great fucking stories. Some of them are sad. Some of them are hilarious also. But some of them are like goofy as shit. But it's just like it's these stories that people <laughs> Majority of the world has a period and no one knows shit about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's crazy that I I recognize that nobody knows anything about it. So I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna do a podcast where we just talk about it. And it's been a lot of fun. And that's the sec I'm working on my second season of that right now. Well, Gordon, that is very thoughtful. <laughs> Care about these women, period. To say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna put my foot on the pedal. Let you guys know you're not alone. Period. Every week, I'm gonna talk about a girl's period. It's just... Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. You know that's how you know you love someone if you have period yeah. sex. Oh, bro. Growing <laughs> the many of sheets. <laughs> First time I did it, I was like, I'm really having period sex right now. Yeah, women don't realize that, like, that eternal conversation men have when we have period sex. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's just nasty. No, 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 no. The whole time we talking to ourselves. <laughs> Nigga, you 22 having period sex. Where are you going with your life? <laughs> Is this who you want to be? Is this how bad you need sex? <laughs> 
know your hand don't got blood. He could have just. Oh man, the things we do, yeah, the things we do. yeah. That's how I'm gonna uh, like convince my kids not to have sex before marriage. I'm be like, it comes with a lot of blood, don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gotta scare them, just tell them the truth. Just tell them the truth. I often thought that if like guys have periods, like our um, like our pads will look like a band aid and just cover over the tip. Yep, yeah. No, no. Oh, I'm glad, we, I'm glad we don't have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, look, that's ugh, horrendous. The stories I've heard, bro. The stories I've heard. <laughs> do you have? How do you? How do you keep your stomach when you hear these stories? Or are they? Oh, I'm, funny? I'm. I'm no. I'm used to it by now. Like yeah. it's just. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just. <laughs> it's just wild to to know that like all this is happening. And like no one's like letting you know that it's happening at all. Like there's so many times like your girl probably had like the wildest period and she didn't even let you know. Yeah. yeah. You just had to find out through like an argument or an emotional breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> this show I watch is called uh Dang, what is it called? Um Now I Have to Destroy You. It come on HBO Max. Uh yeah. they were talking about periods and how they get blood clots during their periods, which is something I did not know. And I was like, yeah, bro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why? I couldn't be no woman. I couldn't be no woman. It it get thick and messy. Wait till you find (laughs) out about free. Wait till you find out about women that are free bleeders out there. Yeah. Women that don't wear bleeders. Yeah. They don't wear. They don't wear. They don't wear pads. Uh, They just just bleed into like pants and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an OnlyFans subscription right there, bro. <laughs> Who's doing that? They gotta be white, huh? They gotta Not, be white. You'll be you'll be surprised. <laughs> oh wow. Wow. <laughs> There's there's still women to this day that won't use tampons because they feel like it's uh it's violating them or it's uh it's it's too close to sex like. Mm. <laughs> Very interesting. I would have never thought of that like that. Oh, bro, know, it's if, if women really wanted to get back at it, especially with this whole abortion thing, they should just yeah. like not buy tampons at all and just just stand on the middle of the street and just let it all out. <laughs> <laughs> just say we run this bit. <laughs> they could really shut this thing down if they really want. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they definitely can. They <laughs> definitely could. Oh my god. Gordy, man, like what's some words of encouragement or motivation you would give to any comic that's listening to this right now? All right, uh to any comics that's out there or anybody think about doing comedy, uh, here's the best piece of advice I can give you. Just go do it. <laughs> Don't wait for some just just go do it. Just just stop waiting, stop hesitating. It's not as bad as you think it is. Uh, the first time might feel like it's going bad, but just just go out there have fucking fun. Um realize that like, you know, the only way that you can make it happen is you. The only person that's stopping you also is you. Um 
and try to travel more. Try to get out of your, your bubble, your circle. Go to another town and tell jokes. Go to another state and tell jokes. It's just not just your town. Just branch out as much as possible. Not only will you get a trip out of it, you'll you'll gain some new perspective, maybe even like some new connections. So try it, travel, uh, and stay consistent. If it if it don't work the first time, try it again, man. It's gonna happen. Yeah. I thought you said don't do it, so that's why I was busting. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, I support everybody that's like going out there trying it. Like it's 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 fucking fun, but yeah. you know, I gotta keep it real with you. It's stressful. It's stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon, uh, tell people why they should listen to Comedians in Bed. Oh, you guys should listen to this because, like, just doing this interview is giving me more insight on, like, my career, uh, how to grow as a comedian, how to help others as a comedian. And because, like, this has been one of the most chill podcasts that also informs you that I've been on. And what you guys don't know this whole time, he was watching porn. We was doing that. Yep. Right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I was pulling the Kanye the whole time. <laughs> I would not shake Kanye's head, but he talked about porn too much, man. You, you know they revealed that like he used to watch porn in the office while he was like designing shit? Yeah, and I, I, I respect the honesty. I respect the honesty. <laughs> <laughs> I could never find a way to position my phone and like watch it at the same time. So oh, man. this dude's smart, man. <laughs> then, man tell, people, tell people where they can find you at, man. Uh, you can find me at Baker Bone on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me as Gordon Baker Bone on Facebook. I have a Facebook group that's on there. I have a website that you can sign up and find out about all my show dates, bakerbone.com. That's all one word, bakerandbone.com. You guys can find out more about my shows, my upcoming events, my upcoming projects, and my podcast on that website. Gordon, man, greatly appreciate you. And if you guys want to hear next week's episode, you guys can subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ty Erskine or subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, We greatly appreciate Gordon for getting up this time. And something I just realized, man, he has like a natural porn name. I don't know why he's (laughs) (laughs) such a natural porn name. (laughs) But Gordon, man, we appreciate you being on here this week. We'll see you guys next week. Camille's in bed. We appreciate you.